1: Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour. It is a privilege for me to bring back uh, to the show one of my favorite scholars, really one of my favorite people. It's been a while. I, You know, I only hesitate to have him on because I'm worried that if my... General Manager hears his voice in the suppleness of his brain. He might try and replace me with him. But it is Christopher Flannery. He is a senior fellow of the Claremont Institute and uh, the author of the American Story uh, podcast, among other things, has an an essay in the current issue of the Claremont Review of Books, His Spirit Abides, His Being Abraham Lincoln's. And it gets us into um, an interesting discussion over a book review about Lincoln's speeches. Uh, Professor Flannery, welcome back to the show, and thanks for joining us. Yes, yeah, good to be here. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Um, a colleague of yours, Diana Schaub, uh, she writes a book, His Greatest Speeches, How Lincoln, uh, How Lincoln Moved the Nation. And uh, she isolates a series of Abraham Lincoln's speeches. You see her book... And you see Lincoln's speeches and worldview as a way to get us back to uh, the less divided nation we once were and to help rediscover the American purpose and identity that people uh, so often uh, what decry is absent from us. Do I have that roughly right? Do you want to take it from there for a moment with your thesis?
0: Yeah, that is right. You know, I don't I don't write much about that. Uh, specific thing in the review, I do mention it, but uh, I do think it's true that Lincoln's <clears throat> principles, which were the principles of the American founding, uh, they are the really the only principles, the only grounds of civic friendship that Americans have, and they are perfectly um, adequate, more than adequate grounds for the civic friendship that we all uh, want to have. And So it is true that a big point of Schaub's uh, book on Lincoln's speeches is that he took a lot of pains to put his speeches into writing and to put writing into print so that those speeches could not only be read by his fellow citizens then, but could be read by future generations. And the reason was that he thought that his reasoning, his his arguments, his principles were eternal, Mm -hmm. And and especially for Americans. They really did. would be instructive to every generation, and uh, I think that's true. I I think Schaub thinks that, and uh, I think that's true.
1: It it, it comes to us, you know, when we're facing a lot of fronts attacking those notions, Uh, a lot of fronts. One would be knowing and understanding American history. Understanding it is separate from knowing it. Uh, Our kids don't know it. Uh, our adults are distorting it. So we're distorting that, which we don't know uh, for a purpose, I suppose, that we can get into if you want. One might think of critical race theory. One might obviously, as you write about in your essay, think about the 1619 uh, project. Right. Uh, that, that's certainly one thing. The other thing is this weird quest to make it worse, not better. I mean, I would argue that 1619 makes the problem worse. Uh, but in fact, I would also argue that the entire approach to teaching American history, particularly I'm talking at the elementary and secondary levels, Chris, the entire approach has been more uh, worse than lackluster in the sense that we are, we, are, we are graduating students into a country they are alien to. You know, We can talk about illegal aliens and that problem, but we're making aliens of our own citizens. And then we stand back, men without chests like, and ask – how did we get here? How are we so divided? Why do we no longer have common threads, narratives, and communications about our own very country, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the problem here, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's well put, and uh, it does. Uh, it, uh, it's tragic. And you're right, it's about both knowing and understanding. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that our students, tragically, don't even know anymore. I mean, they have been, our, our young people had been denied membership, you could right. say, in yep. the yep. American yep. community. Nice. Because they had denied knowledge of the history of, of their previous generations, And then understanding, which of course has to has to come with that. And Shab's book is a lot about that. It's a very mm-hmm. wise and good book. And one of the premises of it, uh, and since we're talking about education, yeah. and education I would say is the central theme both of Lincoln's statesmanship right. and, and, uh, and of her book, is that these ideas that the American founders had, these ideas that animated uh, Abraham Lincoln's statesmanship, uh, are abstract truths applicable to all men at all times. Mm-hmm. To use a Lincoln phrase, mm-hmm. they are they are our great inheritance, and there, I think there is no greater um, duty and no greater achievement that our, our schools could achieve than to bring this inheritance in its fullness. To our young people today, that's their that's their most important work, and they have been failing, worse than failing at it, for uh, a few generations of teachers now, and it yeah, it's a tragedy. Uh,
1: Chris Flannery is our guest, Christopher Flannery from the Claremont Institute. Uh, Chris, um, how how do I say this? I I, I guess I would say uh, what I, the the point I want to raise with you is this: for those that decry. Our divided nation, and I don't know, one nation, many cultures, uh, the divisiveness, the bitter hatred. um, Some people have called it a cold civil war. Maybe some people are wringing their hands about it turning into a civil war. It's odd to me that the immediate antidote to this, the immediate uh, vaccine, (laughs) can I, to this would be (laughs) – Restudying, relearning the one president who presided over and, you know, solved the problem of a civil war. That would seem a natural place to go, a natural person to try and understand and study. It's odd to me that he's on the chopping block, though, particularly among the left, a little bit on the right, but mostly the project of the left has put him on the chopping block. So much so that, I mean, even as I don't know that his second inaugural could even be posted. Or you know, read in most classrooms in public schools in America today.
0: Yeah, and so that's a good description of how far uh, we have gone down a down a bad road. Uh, But that's what we have to do. And so um, there are uh, certainly there are many private schools. There are many there are parents who are, you know, they have many other things to do with their own jobs and with their own, you know. Uh, looking after their own children, but they now see that they've got to go get involved in their school boards because of what their children are learning. And uh, as hard as that might be uh, on millions of parents, good for them. Mm -hmm. They need to go out and take responsibility, and and they need to make sure that what the teachers are teaching their children are these kinds of things. And that's that's pretty straightforward. Now, I mean, it's a big uphill fight. But that's really the, uh, the issue. And and the, the numbers, I mean, you know, it's, it's 1619 versus 1776 is a simple way to sum it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, th- I really do think that just in principle and even rhetorically and politically, that 1776 is a winner. We need to have leaders who will step forward and just say it that simply. We're giving... American children a 1776 education it's very straightforward it means that we believe that all men are created equal it means that we're all equal in the eyes of god and all that follows from that and and anybody who wants to offer a contrary education no tax dollar should be spent uh, certainly to support it you know I mean, so things like that i think that's what is happening uh, you know on, at the sort of school board level District level, and that's one of the big fights we're in. And I think there's there's reason for hope. There is uphill fight.
1: I agree with you. At the local level, there's reason for hope. It's interesting. At the federal level, it's the almost near exact opposite, isn't it? One of the first things. People say one of the first things Joe Biden did was end our our energy independence. That's actually not true. One of the first things he did was take down the 1776 project from the White House websites and servers. I don't know if you noticed that. It was really odd. The day before his inauguration, you could go to government websites to read the 1776 report. The day of the inauguration, not after, of, you could no longer do that. It's an odd thing when you see the federal government actually weighing in. That 1776 is the year not to be taught, or at least that contribution to scholarship.
0: Right. I actually I did pay a lot of attention Good. to that. Yeah. And I think it's remarkable. You know, it was late in the day, but at the in his last weeks, months in office, Donald Trump issued those two executive orders. Mm-hmm. One was, "Hey, we're not going to be teaching critical race theory in any uh, federal program or in any program that's uh, contracts with the federal government." That's one thing, and the other thing is. We want a 1776 commission to look into what an American basis of education would be in this country. So, toward the end of his uh, four years, Trump grasped that really that that essential element of the crisis that we're in. And you know, issuing executive orders is a very inadequate, you know, um, sure instrument. Sure. But it's something, and it, it, it's uh, it's uh, evocative of what really needs to be done. And, and, and the, the burden should be Biden, on those
1: that want to take them down. And exactly. Let me do this, Chris. I've got to take yeah. a quick commercial break, and this is a big impreg- impregnant thing. Can I, can I have you reserve your comment for the other side of the break? Absolutely. I'm Seth and He's Christopher Flannery. Professor Flannery is a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute and a contributing editor at the Claremont Review of Books. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leibson Show. Professor Christopher Flannery, a um, contributing editor for the Claremont Review of Books, senior fellow at the Claremont Institute, is with us. We're talking about his recent essay in the Claremont Review, His Spirit Abides, his being Abraham Lincoln's. And it's a book review um, that uh, advocates that we go back and study several of Lincoln's speeches, particularly uh many we talk about here often the lyceum the gettysburg address and the and lincoln's uh, second inaugural of course we were just making the point before the break uh, and you had to just hold off on your on your full complement um, compliment of thoughts there because of the commercial break so i'll turn it back to you but we were just heading into the break and what we were talking about was you know of course donald trump had um instituted the 1776 commission uh i i i know about your involvement in it, of course, which I, I, I'm I happy you were involved in it. But the first thing, really, the Biden administration did do, almost right out of George Orwell's 1984, is memory hole it and take it down. And we sit here as a society and ask, you know, uh, we demand certain functions having removed the organs. Again, you're C.S. Lewis, right? Uh, we We demand, you know, less divisiveness. We demand some kind of unity, some kind of fealty, not only to our country but to one another. But we've, you know, we've castrated... We've castrated the herd, and and, 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 and we're expecting the geldings to be fruitful in a sense. But you you take it in your your phraseology or your
0: analysis. Yes, that's right. You can never go wrong with T.S. Lewis.
1: Uh, (laughs) That's always a good starting point, right? Or Lincoln.
0: But people tell us Uh, we are going wrong
1: with Lincoln. Anyway, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I do think that the division in the country, of course, we've got lots of challenges, but I do think the division can be uh, accurately defined as its vision between 1619 and 1776. That's that's a beginning point for uh-huh. understanding what's going on. Mm-hmm. And Joe Biden's coming into office and immediately uh, erasing from, from existence the 1776 uh, commission and so on is a good expression of what the Democratic Party stands for. I think the Democratic Party and liberals in general in America and a fair portion of the Republican Party have to say. Um, they are people who are 1619 uh, advocates. Mm-hmm. They think that the best way to understand America is through the prism that America is, as Joe Biden says, systemically racist, mm-hmm. always and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the alternative view, which should be the view of uh, a, a ruling constitutional majority come the next election, uh, is that, no, actually, America's principles are the only principles that can overcome uh, racial divisiveness, Mm -hmm. racial uh, oppression, ever or anywhere. And they are the principles that all men are created equal. That's the 1776 position. Mm -hmm. So Donald Trump grasped that. And Donald Trump's uh, uh, movement and coalition is that, I believe. At its core, at its best, it is the 1776 movement. Mm Mm-hmm. And 1776 principles need to be at the basis of all American uh, public education, and it's straightforward. Now, that's a unifying position. That Now, it's going to unify uh, a, a ruling majority of Americans, which means it's going to divide them from those who disagree with that, We I would call, say, the 1619 Americans. Well, you have to make those divisions, and they are fundamental, and they go to the core of things, and that's why things in America feel so divisive today. It's because those two positions are radically incompatible, and which one of them comes to rule our country uh, is of uh, historic and and really drastic significance. So uh, the division is real, and the division is really significant, but what the country needs is to be united Around the 1776 principles, which are really the principles of the founding and the principles of Abraham Lincoln,
1: we're talking to Chris Flannery. Chris, you just used the word "radical." Uh, let me let me let me let me take that word a little further with you. One of the interesting things we noted during the riots of 2020 was what kind of uh, iconography was being destroyed and. We may or may not agree with it, but one certainly understands in that kind of fervor while maybe why maybe Confederate statues were on the chopping block. But then it became awfully curious to see Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln statues being on the chopping block. In San Francisco, you saw the effort to try and rename schools with Abraham Lincoln's name on them. The the taking away the memory holding of Abraham Lincoln or Frederick Douglass, who I, I don't think is taught really very much in our schools anymore. It made me wonder – your use of the word radical, I want to run with it for a moment, Chris. made me wonder if the movement we're fighting, the leftist movement we're fighting, is so radical that what they show by their antipathy towards anything Lincoln, anything Frederick Douglass, uh, is really that it's not a vision of America. It's not a Robert E. Lee vision versus a Lincoln vision. It's not – I don't know. You take your two – It's America that they don't like. It's anything America they don't like. I think we're facing a movement that radical. Am I overstating it?
0: No, you're understating it. And so, uh, you know, you remember, uh, I mean, really, how long ago now? Really, 40 years ago, you remember what sounded this sort of whimsically uh, quaint, chant up at Stanford University, hey, 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 hey ho, yeah, ho, yeah. Western Civ has got yeah, to go. Yeah. And you think, okay, well, they're the students acting up, you know, uh-huh. all these wealthy Stanford kids, you know, they're not too threatening and blah, blah, blah. But so what What this movement that is now dominant in our country, and this is the thing, it's not just that they're beating at the doors, They, they, the movement that controls every authoritative cultural, political, economic, social, education, institution in America. They mean Western civilization has to go, reason has to go, mm-hmm. European civilization, which is saying about Eurocentric thinking needs to
1: go, mm-hmm.
0: America needs to go, God needs to go. Mm-hmm. So it's that radical. It's going to the, to the roots of things. And that means that the only response to it has to be as radical. In the sense that radical comes from the Latin word for going to the root of things, the root. Right, right. If we're going to save the country, we have to go to the root of things and stand for those things that these uh, um, uh, radicals want to destroy. Mm -hmm. Which they—that's—that's—that's the division. And uh, the good news is that uh, the good cause is worth. All of the devotion that anybody can bring to it, all of the thinking,
2: the hard
0: work, uh, the hours that you need to spend going to the school board meetings, getting somebody elected, making the arguments, Um, it's it's a cause that's worthy, in Lincoln's words, of the last full measure of devotion. That's the good news.
1: You said it beautifully. By the way, is your time up or do you have a little more time? Either way is fine. I can deal with it either way, but if you have more time, I could use you. up to you. Yeah, I'm all yours. Oh, great, because we're going to hit a break in a second, and I would love to pick your brain on this a little bit more, Chris Flannery, if I could, and maybe we think about this uh, over the break. But what I'm so glad you did in uh, your review at the Claremont Review of Books uh, on on this essay we're talking about is the reproduction of portions of Alexander Stevens' Cornerstone speech, because the one thing I have been trying to communicate to as many people as possible— is that that 1619 Project view of our founding is not really new. And I don't know that they know it. That view did exist. It was the view of the Confederates. The Confederate view of the American founding is the 1619 view of the, of the American founding, which is a very, very, very interesting thing that they may not even recognize. And, you know, attached to that is the notion that that view had an opposing view, and it was Lincoln and the Union. It was a bigger part of the – population is a bigger part of the country and we won that view had its say and day and lost it's a really odd thing that those who want to take down america or at least talk about america as systemically racist are citing the very history of the systemically racist side of america that lost in the civil war can we pick up on that when we come back
0: yeah that's exactly right that's well, I'm, I'm seth and he's talking. chris
1: flannery i love it we'll be right back Welcome back to The Seth Leibson Show. Dr. Christopher Flannery is our guest from the Claremont uh, Institute and his piece in the Claremont Review of Books. Chris, the point I was making about uh, 1619 Project CRT and all this kind of uh, leftist view of American history is it's – it's how's, how does – what's the Cummings line? The bud of the bud, the root of the root? It seems the root of the root of it is to me – the fact that their history of America or their reading of the history of the Amer- of America is not particularly new. It had a strong voice. It's eerily similar, almost in many respects verbatim, of the Confederacy of America's view of the founding. You reproduced some of this in your essay, and it's as if the Civil War didn't happen. It's as if the majority of this country didn't prevail over that view in a crucible of war, and it's as if – the gosh the lost cause version of the civil war has become the chief cause of nicole hannah jones in the 1619 project i'll ask you again um am i overstating it
0: uh no once again <laughs> okay good but i'm on, on a roll here okay right. you're really on a roll <laughs> and uh so yeah we we talked about the alexander Stevens speech you know right. and if uh Uh, Students who want to get a good education, there are so many uh, American documents that are worthy of reading and thinking about, uh, and they would give you an amazing civic education in themselves. This is one of them. Uh This is is the speech. Alexander Stevens was the vice president of the Confederate States of America, and he gave this famous speech called the Cornerstone Speech in 1861. And in that speech, he articulated the whole cause of the Confederacy. And he did so by saying, you know, when those people back in 1776, Thomas Jefferson and those fellows, when they said that all men are created equal, they were just wrong. Right. They were dead wrong. Mm -hmm. And we finally are establishing a government that is based on the true understanding of things, mm-hmm. which is that it's a government based on the understanding that slavery, subordination uh, to the superior race, is the natural and normal condition of the black man in America. Mm-hmm. This is explicit. This is a speech our students can and should read today. Mm-hmm. And this is the um, this is the great crisis of the American uh, of American history. Why is it even a crisis? Because Thomas Jefferson and the other revolutionaries proclaimed that all men are created equal as the foundation of their revolution. And the 1619 Project doesn't seem quite able to uh, recognize that. For them, America is is 1619, it's it's slavery and racism in 1776, it's slavery and racism in 1787, it's slavery and racism uh, in 1861. And the one thing, excuse me, 865, when we are uh, emancipating the slaves. But they don't seem to recognize that the real 1619 view is in 1861 with the Confederate States of America. There is.
1: That's how how to think about it. That's how to put it. Uh, I got to tell you, you probably read uh, our mutual friend's uh, introductory uh, piece in, in the Claremont Review of Books where he talks a little bit uh, about Nicole Hannah-Jones. She grows up with a father who's a World War II vet, a black man who's a World War II vet who proudly displays the American flag in their front yard pristinely. And she has this line in, in one of one of her opening essays on the 1619 Project. She didn't learn how wrong he was until she went to school. She had to go to school to learn he was wrong. I mean, yeah. that that... that isn't that the summation of everything we're talking about too right now?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, as you know, I am, uh, uh, I am one of the, uh, underlings who works with the eminent editor of the camera <laughs> review books <laughs> for the Charles record. Kessler.
1: Let us all stipulate. We all work for Charles Kessler. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and,
0: uh, and so in, in the course of that, of course, I, I read, um, his writings in the internal workings of the mm-hmm. operation and so on. And, uh, he and I had some back and forth about this because I thought he was um, more than generous to Nicole Hannah-Jones. Yeah. Um, I thought that what she did to her father's memory was a desecration. Yeah. Now, this is not my business. I am just reading, I don't know her father. Right. I don't know her personally, but I cannot, I really cannot imagine until someone can give me some evidence for it that her father put that flag in their front yard every day. For the reasons that she publicly said that he did, right. which reasons, I think, were a desecration of his memory. I,
1: I think that's so perfectly had, we had some internal,
0: yeah. yeah, we had some internal, you know, editorial things about that. I was saying, Charles, oh, you know, be hard.
1: Mm. The takeaway I want people to understand is you had a black man who fought in World War II, comes back to America, puts the flag in his front yard takes exquisitely good care of it. And the daughter, who didn't experience the racism her dad did, by the way, obviously, by definition, her dad faced far more discrimination and challenges as a World War II vet. She learns in school her dad's wrong to hang that flag. I I just think the entirety of our education problem, maybe our citizenship problem, is in that very story right there. I really do.
0: It is. That's right. But what I was saying is that then what she learned in her, in her essay, which is the famous essay inaugurating the mm-hmm. 1619 project, mm-hmm. is that she then explains how she herself came to understand, in her words, her father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she came to understand that her father was putting that flag up really for 1619 principles.
1: Yeah. I, and, yeah. That, that doesn't parse for me either. That just doesn't parse yeah. for me. I don't think any of a world war two vet put a flag up when they came home for 1619 principles. I really just don't.
0: Yeah. There were, uh, uh there are great stories about black patriots yep. in World War II, and just as you say, you know, there's so much discrimination in the armed forces yep. themselves. Oh yeah, not just in the country. Oh yeah. But there's a great story about, uh, I believe this one was about Jack Dempsey, somebody. Uh, actually, not Jack Joe Lewis.
1: Joe said, Lewis, who, yeah.
0: Somebody saying, you know, Joe, what are you, you know, what are you doing, Joe? Or, you know, um, you fight for your country, and they won't even let you go in the restaurant over here. And he said, well, you know, America's got some problems. Adolf
1: Hitler's not going to solve any of them. <laughs> yeah, nicely yeah. put. Nicely put. No, I know. I Listen, I, I know the World War II generation pretty well. My dad was one of them and uh, faced, obviously, that discrimination. Had nothing but great patriotism for this country when he came back. And I have nothing but great admiration for you, Chris Flannery, for helping to reinstantiate that patriotism in this country as well. Thank you for everything you are and do, sir. Thank you.
0: Seth, it's been a pleasure. Really good to talk.
1: You betcha. Thanks. Chris Flannery, uh, check out the Claremont Review of Books, folks, claremontreviewofbooks.com. Uh, check out Chris Flannery's essay. Check out all he does, including, I mean, just a great contribution to our culture, his, um, his podcast, The American Story. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. A wake-up call from veteran-owned Minus Gold Group. You've seen the news. Uh, hasn't um, it, it, it hasn't left my memory. I hope it doesn't leave yours. Truckers and even their smallest supporters – being targeted, bank accounts closed, demonstrates just how quickly it can happen. Now you understand all the talk about getting everyone on digital currency. It's the ultimate power and control over you because with this tool, they will be able to easily extinguish the freedoms of anyone who disagrees with them. Democrats in the U.S. approved of Prime Minister Trudeau's protest suppression by nearly four to one. Think of how they'd view it here. Gold and other precious metals. Add a layer of privacy and protection to your finances. So get private, get protected, get on the phone, and call Midas Gold Group. The company Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of others use. Give them a call at 480-360-3000 or check them out at midasgoldgroup.com. Oh, good. There's Tina in Star Valley. Tina, welcome back. How are you? Thank you. Good to talk
2: to you. You're previous guest was wonderful i love when you asked um are you being too extreme or radical and he said not radical enough
1: i get i, I get that a lot lately yeah i get that a lot,
2: exactly
1: yeah. okay. yeah, that <laughs> yeah. a lot. from yeah. people like you actually <laughs> and, and, <laughs> i get that a lot <laughs> seth shape up yeah Oh
2: yeah 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 go go for it you yeah uh, you're yeah. done um i i really loved what he said and you know the the Unless we are willing to realize that these people want to destroy us, they they don't want to just kind of put us in a corner. Right. They want us gone.
1: Right. You saw that on and, The View yesterday. You, know, I, you saw that on The View. Yeah. You had everyone on The View saying the DOJ needs to start investigating people that have a different opinion than we do when it comes to the Ukraine yeah. situation. Yeah. You saw yeah. it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and you know, I I have no illusions about who these people are and what they want for me. Good. Um, you know, so I so I told uh, your screener, I said, uh, you know, in the words of the of the the uh, quote unquote great Gen uh, Saki, we need to circle back to the Bill of Rights Good. culture.
1: Good, <laughs> a true revolution.
2: Yeah, well, but if one looks at the Bill of Rights, and my dear friend Richard Stevens, who's a constitutional attorney, and uh, uh, who wrote the book, by the way, uh, "Dialed 911 and Die," which is a really good book about you know guns and the police's. Oh right. Uh, right. Yeah, duty to not protect you, um, you know, so you're pretty much on your own. Anyway, Richard used to say, "Let's take the Bill of Rights and forget about the the name." And just look at each of them individually as uh, okay. Which one do you want to do without? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we are doing without more and more. I, I really never thought free speech would be so attacked. I know. And yet, if the you know if the other ones are attacked, freedom of speech is uh, you know if they can if they could silence us, then we're you know we're done.
1: So let me let me push and, push push. With you against those that aren't strong enough on this point, let me let me join with you on this point that if they can go, as they have uh, with impunity, against the Second Amendment and Mm -hmm. they can go against the first part of the First Amendment, as they've been doing since the 1940s, the religious freedom clauses.
2: Right. Right. Why
1: should we be surprised right that they go after the rest of the first amendment why should we that we be oh. surprised that they go you know after the other amendments like uh for right. example the what we saw uh, the fbi doing with regard to things like uh the 5th amendment uh or for that yeah. you know or 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 for that matter uh you know uh, the 10th amendment which is not even 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 in the vocabulary of the left, but we shouldn't be surprised yeah, when was, they're willing, was, right? When was, they're willing yes, to vitiate right. religious freedom and the free exercise right. clause, and then the establishment clause, and then you know, of course, the Second Amendment stuff. Why would we be surprised that they would take the speech clauses with them as well? I guess that's what I'm trying to say.
2: And I and I'm of course not surprised because I've experienced this kind of thing in my personal life. You know, with family members who are are far left, and you know, one of them told me, "I wish you were dead." Well, you know, I, I get it. Um, and she was just being honest, and she was just voicing the opinion of her her uh, her cohorts. Um, let
1: me do this. Let me take you know, a quick I, break, I, and I, let me have you finish up on I, the other side. Is that okay? Can I keep? Can I hold you over, Tina? Yes. Thank you. I'd I'd, be honored. Oh, well, thank you. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Tina from Star Valley is calling in, talking about uh, uh, re-instituting what she has called uh, and others a Bill of Rights culture. Go ahead, Tina. We had to we had to hit a quick break as we were hitting uh, one of your points you were in the middle of making.
2: Well, you know, I, I like to take the Bill of Rights and just really look at each one of them. Mm-hmm. And I've even challenged these, you know, these, these goons who want to get rid of all of them and say, well, wait a minute, how about you do without this? How about you mm-hmm. uh, give this one up? And they don't want to do that. They want us to do that. And I just read up a, a thing about John Cleese. Did you hear about that, where this woman actually took the microphone away from him?
1: No, I I know he has been uh, he's been Bill Maher-esque on issues of free speech for the past few years, but I didn't know about this
2: story. Yes, and I'll I'll see if I can find it, and I'll, I'll email it to you. Thanks. Yeah, he was he was going on about reparations, and because he's quite uh, educated, mm-hmm. he was talking about the reparations due uh, the, the British, for example, when the French came over in ten sixty six, ah, and you mm-hmm. know what about that, and mm-hmm. you know, and I, I mean he's a funny guy, mm-hmm. and she took the microphone away from him, and said she didn't want him to embarrass himself. Uh huh. Uh-huh. he's 82 years old uh-huh. and more brilliant than 10 of her.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And this is what they're doing. She
1: hey, oh, do you know what it reminds it. me of? Did you catch the stories? A little story. I think we covered it here. Katie Couric in, uh, in her book on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she edited Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the black lives matter movement. Because she was oh, saying no. later, she said, cause Ruth Bader Ginsburg was saying something negative about it. And Katie Kirk said I wanted to save her reputation. Wow. Oh, is that special? the important word here is her. I mean her. Yes. I think yeah. I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg was entitled to her own opinions, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, not not if they were counter to what she was supposed right. to be thinking. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh no. These people are these people are really scary. They are they are tyrants. They are just like the tyrants in, in Nazi Germany and and, uh, and you know and, and Bolshevik Russia and everywhere else. There are tyrants.
1: The notion that we have now, and we heard it yesterday. You can get it any any week. Uh, you can get it on Twitter any day. Where where uh, it, it, it's increasingly clear that to the Democrats and the left, there is a party in America. But it begins with a capital P, as it did in Oceania in 1984. There is one party in this country and anything else, anything else might be tolerated for a little bit, but only up to a point. And once that point has been crossed and it's arbitrarily set by the left and the Democrats and the capital P party, then, yeah, they have no problem sticking the Department of Justice on you for having wrong thought, wrong thought, because you're not down with the news speak. As we go to break, top of the hour. Thank you, Tina. As we go to break, let me put in a word for our friends at Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. Whole food nutrition, pure, potent plant power, 100% natural. Not 99 and 99 100ths like ivory soap or the old Ronnie Millsap song. 100%. Balanceofnature.com. Discount code BALANCE for their fruits and veggies. Best deal.